Hello and welcome to the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. My name is Joss Golden and I am so happy that you're here. In this podcast series, I interview people who are passionate about parenting. We talk about many things to do with parenting and motherhood and explore the joys and challenges that we all face in our families. The aim of the podcast is to share more about aware parenting, to inspire us all on our parenting adventures, and to support us all to raise our children with more awareness, connection, and love. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. Before we start this episode, I just want to tell you quickly about my new Aware Parenting Teenagers course. This course is now available on my website, and I've designed it to support parents to explore the theory and practice of aware parenting and how it applies specifically to parenting in the teenage years. It is an in-depth journey into how this amazing life-changing approach helps us to develop these beautiful, close and healthy relationships with our teens. So whether you're new to aware parenting or have been practicing this in your family for some time, this deeply supportive course will guide you to have more ease and connection and fun in parenting your teens. It is a self-paced study course with live rounds regularly throughout the year. Now, Let's get on with this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. Today I'm really, really, really excited because Marion has come back on the podcast again. Thank you so much, Marion, for coming back to talk to us yet again. I love talking to you, Joss, as you know. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So Marion doesn't really need any introduction, but I will introduce her anyway. Marion Rose, PhD is a level two aware parenting instructor. She is the regional coordinator for Australia and New Zealand. She has done so much in the world of aware parenting to share this beautiful approach with so many parents and change their lives, including mine and all the amazing ways that she supported people with practicing this in their families through courses, through sessions, through supporting aware parenting instructors and amazing just generosity and incredible wisdom. So thank you for coming back on. Oh, thank you for that introduction. All the younger parts of me going, oh, they, they all feel my needs for acknowledgement are being met. <laughs> thank you. So I asked Marion to come back on because you were sharing recently about Loving Limits. And every time you posted something about Loving Limits, it just was another layer and another deeper understanding about this process. And I think it's something that people often really struggle with. Um, struggle to understand the theory of it and struggle to apply the practice of it too. So I'm really grateful for you coming on to talk. And I was wondering if you might just start by talking a little bit about what are loving limits and how did you come up with this term? Because of course, this is something that you specifically devised this term yourself. So how might you describe that? Thank you. Thank you. I want to say, so, I mean, the concept of loving limits, of course, is there before Aletha created that already. I don't even know where it came. I just was writing about it when I was creating courses in the early years. And I just suddenly noticed that I was using this term a lot, loving limits, and it seemed to really fit and actually helped me develop my understanding kind of theoretically about what was actually happening because it's the loving and and the limits part. And I think particularly I was so fascinated in it because in my early days of parenting, I did not know how to offer loving limits. I didn't know how to embody them. I found them really challenging. And as is often the case, isn't it, that when something's a bit more tricky for us, that that actually takes us down or invites us to go into a deep uh, learning journey with them. So that's really been the journey of that. 
And I think, first of all, to really differentiate limits from loving limits, because I see that uh, really often people saying, it. and again, through creating that offering that I created, I loved writing and writing and writing and exploring it and thinking about it and playing with it. There's lots going on here. You probably hear background noise. We have puppies. My son and his friend have just arrived. There's the, the twins playing in the pool. There's birds. So that, that's the background noise of family life. Yeah, so I often hear people still talk about saying, you know, I offered a loving limit to my child. And I think sometimes people still think, and I totally understand that, that it that it basically means saying no in a loving way. But to really understand from an aware parenting perspective, and Letha really clearly differentiates these, which I love her clarity. There is a big difference between a, a limit in aware parenting and a loving limit. So a limit is where we are saying no. That's really based on our needs or feelings. So we might say no to our child. We might have said where we're going to take them to the park. And then we actually say, no, I'm really tired or the car's broken down or whatever it is. And I and I won't be taken to the park. Or I'm not willing for you to go to the park. So we can still say that in a loving way. And we can still listen to their feelings in response to that particular no. So they might feel disappointed or upset if it's the no to the park, for example. And so we might hear them and listen and, you know, hear that you feel disappointed or they might cry. So that is a limit. But a loving limit is really something very specific in aware parenting. So that's really, and I know you know this, Josh, so it's funny saying it to you this way because I know you know that. A loving limit is where really we are seeing that our child is doing something that is caused by painful accumulated feelings. So that's usually either aggression, which is a big term that includes anything that's based on hyperarousal. So that could be hitting, biting, throwing, pushing, taking things from another child, or just being really, really kind of very, very agitated in that external kind of way. Or it could be repression or suppression. So that could be when they're doing all the kinds of things we know in aware parenting that Alitha calls control patterns. So that could be anything from thumb sucking to eating to suppress to using screens to suppress or all the bazillions of ways that we very wisely find to hold our feelings at bay and to, to mildly dissociate. So those are two places we can offer loving limits with aggression or repression. And what we're doing in those two places, we are, this is a phrase I create and I love it. We're saying no to the behavior and we're saying yes to the feelings that are underlying that behavior. So with the aggression, clearly we're saying no to the hitting or the biting or the throwing or whatever it is. And we're saying yes to the feelings that cause that behavior, which of course in other paradigms isn't understood. That If a child is doing any of that stuff, that's feelings driving that. Or if it's suppression, we're saying no to the to whatever they're doing to suppress the feelings. And we're saying yes to those feelings that are actually underlying whatever it is that they're doing to, to hold the feelings at bay. So it's really what I love about it. And I did a I offered a workshop recently about this. And I really loved it because we dived in really deeply. And some of the participants were really basically saying, and I said, Can I borrow this? And they said yes, which is basically it's it's a no and a yes. So it's really the the no to the that external thing, which is caused by painful feelings in service of the yes to connection, to relationship and, and fundamentally to them and what they're really feeling. So I love that holding that. So no in service of a yes. 
Mm. That was a very long answer to your question. No, it was a beautiful answer. And I really loved how you distinguish between a limit, which we can give in a loving way, and a loving limit, which is a very specific different process that you've just described so beautifully to support our children when they're going into either hyperarousal or dissociation to, to access the feelings that are underneath. It's so helpful to have that so clearly distinguished. So thanks so much. You talk about offering limits instead of setting loving limits. Can you talk about why that's important? Yeah. So I can't, that's what I love about this process. I'm constantly evolving my understanding of it and my practice of these things. And so when I was actually, I think it was probably even where I was writing recently and I thought, you know, to me, all of the language pieces, they're not aware parenting, they're not Aletha's thing. They're really my preference because I'm passionate about language. And when I kept on thinking about it, the way I see a loving limit, it's not like a thing that's put there. Like even the word limit is not really my preference, actually. But it, it's a, it's a we're in a relational field. So when we when we're saying no and we're saying no to them behavior and we're saying yes to the feelings, this is not like a a fence or a, a wall. And sometimes I think when we even saying setting. A loving limit can have that kind of rigidity about it. Whereas to me, a loving limit, because it's so much about the relationship, it is actually still quite fluid. Yes, we might be saying no to that thing, but it's it's a fluid dance between two humans. It isn't like I am setting this loving limit. And I think sometimes the setting word, we can get a little bit almost stuck in that, you know, I've set the limit, I've said no, which is really that old paradigm. And Many people may not find this. It's just I'm particular about language. So many people might say setting a loving limit and it might just be wonderful for them. And if, you know, what I'm passionate about with language is it's so personal to each of us. So I want to say if you say setting loving limit and you love that, please you know, do whatever you want to do. For me, what I love is the more I play with language, the more it helps me get into the exact body state that really supports me to be able to communicate and stand in or be with this particular thing that I'm being with in order to communicate this to the other person who I'm, who I'm offering the loving limit to. So for me, when I offer a loving limit, it has that quality of more of the dance and the fluidity in the relationship, which setting to me, uh, I well, for me personally, I go a bit more rigid when I talk about setting a loving mm. limit. I don't yeah, know that, if that resonates with you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that really makes sense. And, and it is inviting us to move away from that that old paradigm that the way that we were all raised around you know boundaries and limits and and that sort of yeah much more rigid sense to it all absolutely and and you're talking about the challenge for us of holding yes and no at the same time it is it is really hard to do isn't it and you're talking about this body state can you just talk a bit more about that and how you support people or how you explain that to people to get into that really embodied state around this loving limit. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And actually what I'd love to do is to share the first time I really felt that in my body. And I, it was when my son, who it was after his dad and I split up and he went from being, you know, really relaxed and calm and all of these things to hitting and headbutting. And so I was aiming to offer these loving limits and I was at times, but I still I still was finding it really challenging at times. I got reactive myself. What I really remember one day is getting to this point where I was like, ah, 
I, I just got to, I'm really not willing to be hit. I am not willing to be hurt here. And I could really feel that no in my body, that really embodied sense of, I am not willing for this. I'm not willing to be hurt. I am willing to listen to your feelings, but I'm not willing to be hurt. And for me, that went back to, you know, all the times as a as a child and as a younger person of not saying no, not being safe. You know, it often isn't in what I call the disconnected domination culture. Most of us would have either been shamed or judged or punished or, you know, excluded. So for many of us to actually really embody that no is quite a process of reclaiming that actually we are, we say no and we're safe because for most of us we weren't. So for me, that that journey came to that point of that, ah, yes, I am really saying no, and I'm really saying no to the to the hitting. And and yes, the feelings that really supported me in really getting, oh, okay, now I really get what this this no is. This a really embodied sense. And for me, I feel it as like a this is what I talk in my Marian method work as well, like the this vertical channel of of a no. I feel it in my body. I feel this resonance in my voice when I'm really holding that no. And there's kind of a there's a there's a deep power in that so i know often for parents that they might say to me you know but i'm i'm setting loving limits or i'm offering loving limits and i say to them well would you be willing to say you know say it to me pretend i'm the child and i think often we we might say it but we don't really mean it you know for all kinds of reasons because we're concerned about what how it will be for them all the ways that we received harsh limits and we don't ever want our child to experience a harsh limit. And for so many reasons, it's going to be really hard for us to get that clear embodied no. But when we do get it, when we get that combination of it's a no without any judgment, shame, blame, separation, it's actually a clear no can be one of the most loving things we can ever do. And I think, again, that is a big thing to get through in a culture we've we're often taught, aren't we, that if we're a loving person, we will always say yes. But actually to really understand that, ah, oh, I'm a loving person and I'm safe. And I feel this really clear no, which we're really basically saying, I'm saying no to this behavior. I'm saying yes to this feeling, which means that three things. We need to be willing to say no. We need to also to be willing to say yes to the feelings, because that's what we're actually saying, saying yes to. So we need to be in that and spacious enough space to be able to listen. And with a loving limit, we're also requires a willingness to keep on listening because often when we offer a loving limit, the whole point isn't that our child goes, okay, I'm going to stop hitting my sibling right now. Thank you so much for telling me that. The whole point of it is because it's a yes to the feelings is they go into that, you know, that rage or the frustration, the powerlessness. And often they might keep trying to do the thing that we're offering the limit to. We might be you know, saying no to the hitting and they keep trying to hit their sibling or they're picking up a stick and they're bashing something in, a, in the house and we offer that loving limit and they keep on doing it. And so it's really those three things we're holding in mind that we're going to keep on saying no and we're going to keep on saying yes to the feelings rather than so often we can go into, but I said no and they're doing it more, you know, of course, for so many years. I remember that for myself as a younger parent. I'd be like, I'm saying, no, they're doing it even more. You know, what's going on? And we can go into all kinds of old conditioning around why they're doing that and what that means about them and what that means about us. So it's a really, I find it a very, I don't really like the word advanced, but I think it's a practice that for many of us requires a lot of practice and a lot of inner work. I mean, I know some people just 
take to it like a duck to water and probably because their own maybe have had different experiences growing up. But for most of it, it's a really hard thing. It takes time and practice to embody. Mm, yeah. And initially, I found it really hard to, to offer loving limits. And I was very, found myself getting, yeah, younger parts of my, me coming up and, and getting in the way of the lovingness about it. And then the more I started to support myself with healing around all that, the more I found myself struggling with the, actually setting the limit and actually being really clear about my no and not wanting to say no to my children in order to compensate for the harshness <laughs> before. So, yeah, it's a really complicated process to, to, to tease out. And I love how you describe that and that sense of no being safe and no being loving and that not having the judgment and not having the blame and not having the shame in there and that then supports us to to say yes to the feelings and then as you say to listen to those feelings for to actually stay there and to be with those feelings yeah the other thing that people find tricky often Marion is this confusion around loving limits and needs for choice and autonomy and agency and so people sometimes find it hard to think, well, if I'm offering a loving limit, does that mean that I'm then not meeting their needs for choice and agency? Is there anything you'd like to say about that? Yeah, and I know you know this as well, Justin, you're smiling. It's like the more we observe our children, the more we understand, they have that combination of observing our child, understanding the theory of aware parenting and doing our own inner work. It's that beautiful triangle where we more and more get to see the, the beautiful ways our children are really clearly telling us the difference between is this a need for for choice agency and autonomy or is this they're actually asking us please I've got big feelings here I, I love how you said that they're either in uh, hyper arousal or dissociation and they're actually needing help to move from that into the expression and some of the clear ways I mean there are some obvious ones like if a child is hitting for example it's very unlikely that that's a need for agency and autonomy unless perhaps they really need to be because someone else is doing something really harsh to them for example and then they're kind of fighting in that moment they're in that fight flight like but generally in the situations we're talking about with parents who who are generally compassionate a child who is hitting or doing any of that kind of stuff, the most immediate need is generally not agency and choice, unless at, in that moment they're being treated harshly, of course. They're holding in mind with loving limits that loving limits are offered in the context of all the other practices in aware parenting, including emotional safety and non-punitive discipline and all of that, all of that stuff. Another thing is we get clearer and clearer about, and I imagine you found this as well, Joss, is that when they really need to express feelings, when they feel that agitation in their bodies, they will particularly do things. So they will actually do things specifically that they know we don't want them to do. And again, if we don't understand that, we can go into all kinds of harsh beliefs about they're deliberately doing this to wind us up. This is some of the language or testing boundaries is often another phrase that's used. But when we understand is what they're really saying is, mom, dad, I'm, I feel really uncomfortable here. I actually really, I really need your help. Would you be willing to come in and say no to the behavior and say yes to my feelings? Listen to my big crying and raging and I'm going to feel way more comfortable. I'm not going to do that stuff anymore. But also I used to find with my children, they would often specifically ask. And again, this is only if you've been practicing it for someone, it's really only through observation. So they'd literally say things to me like, don't look at me or some really specific kind of often a little bit random thing. 
of course, in general, I would always do everything I could to meet their needs. But there was a particular way that they would say something like that. And they'd say it in a particular tone of voice. And they'd been agitated for the previous few hours. And I go, aha, okay. So they're literally saying, here, mum, I see you're finding it a little bit tricky to find this exact balance of attention to help me with these feelings. I'm going to show you where you can go, what you can say no to. And I'm going to have a really big cry now if you do that. So that's one of the other things. And I think often it Sometimes if we're unsure, sometimes I think like with screens, we might be more unsure. Is this a need for agency and autonomy? Is this feelings? Are they doing it to suppress feelings? We can always just move in, play, observe, try things out and keep on observing. That will really clearly tell us if we haven't got it accurately, which at times we won't. And we can always go back to the drawing board and go, oh, okay, that time that actually was agency and choice, but generally we can can tell the difference because basically beforehand they're, they're agitated and antsy. They're, those feelings generally are building up over time into the aggression or the and dissociation. I can't think of the word dissociation today. I keep dissociating, but when I, when I try to think of the word dissociate, that, you know, it's building and building so we can mm-hmm. clearly see it. Whereas generally that need for agency, autonomy choice is, you know, it's just a clear thing that arises in the moment and it's kind of obvious. But I do think, again, it's through experimentation and observation we get clearer about these things. Yeah, yeah, and I loved how you said that. And I think it's true that sometimes when we're unsure about that, we can just sense from the the urgency in their behaviour and the, the, the agitation, as you described that so nicely. And even if their unmet needs for choice and agency are part of that picture, there's lots of opportunity later after we've allowed them to access those feelings that we can go back and make sure that we're meeting those needs elsewhere so yeah it's it's like what they need most now is a loving limit so that they can get those feelings out and then return to balance and then we can give them needs for choice and agency and opportunities to meet those another time it's really helpful and I loved what you're saying about you know often exactly what they're asking for is exactly what they want to know to and yeah I noticed that time and time again with my children as well can, can I actually add one more thing is uh, I didn't say that before but with the limit what I find helpful is often we do need to move in physically so we need to move in close first that's part of the connection we often need to do something physically so I often find it helpful to say we're doing the minimum possible so that's part of it in terms of like really checking out that we're not doing more than is required for that beautiful loving limit to happen and that's, again, where we can be playing with just really making sure that we are meeting those needs for agency and choice at the same time. We're really doing the minimum possible. That's why it's so it's so exquisite, this dance, isn't it? Because we're not, again, like it's not harsh, it's not too much. It's that exact point where they feel a love and our, the safety from that and the connection and they feel that no too. Mm. Yes, yes. And I think it's helpful as well sometimes just to keep checking in with ourselves. Are we still willing to listen to feelings? Are we still connected to that love for them? Or is, it, is stuff starting to come up for us? And yeah, that's part of the dance as well, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sometimes it might be actually much more preferable to, I don't know, especially if it's more, on. of course, not with the aggression, because we really want to stop if they're hurting someone or themselves. But if it's more on the uh, dissociation side, it's, probably going to be much more helpful to go okay if we're getting frustrated or you're not feeling connected with them to actually go I'm going to pause with this loving limit I'm going to go and just connect in with myself or quickly send a message to my empathy buddy rather than going for this loving limit which by this time is probably not loving and I would mm. just say I've tried that I've experimented with that myself 
and loving limits really require us to be in a, again, that's why I think they're quite something to practice because if we're not feeling loving, it's almost impossible <laughs> to offer a loving limit, isn't it? Just, Absolutely. And, it, and it doesn't, in inverted commas, work, you know, because they don't feel that emotional safety to let the yeah. feelings out. Yeah, they do. You can't fake a loving limit, can you? <laughs> I try. I've tried that. I've done the experiment. I can let everyone know. <laughs> yeah. So what about when we're actually offering these limits? What might that look like? What kind of words? I loved how you've describing in your post recently about some of the words that we might offer as part of the limit in terms of both offering the limit and also what we're reminding our children about our love for them in that process. So, for example, like with, if a child's being aggressive and agitated, for example, can you talk a little bit about that process? Because it's so, so lovely. <laughs> and, you know, this is one of my favourite things. And, I, again, I want to say this isn't something that Aletha has talked about or, you know, so this is really my the language part is for, for me. I love to think about a few things. So in hitting, for example, I I find with aggression or hyperarousal to come in with the limit first and then the love, knowing that the limit is still loving. Whereas with more dissociation, I like to come in first with the love and then the limit. So with hitting, mm-hmm. I really like, you know, my favorite thing, <laughs> you've heard me say a million times, not to you, but um, you know, I'm not willing. So I'm not willing for you to hit, sweetheart. I'm not willing for you to hit, Susan. And really, again, that that clarity of, and I love not willing because to me, it's the clearest embodied no. It's the, the language that to me supports me to feel that embodied no in my body, the embodied, embodied no. <laughs> And then it's followed by that loving compassion. So my uh, moving in, connecting, maybe putting a hand on their hand or whatever it is, if they try and hit the other child with an object, holding that object, not taking it away unless really, really necessary. I'm not wanting for you to hit, sweetheart. And I'm right here and I'm listening. So to me, that's that compassion and that empathy. I'm right here, I'm listening. And I like to put in it, some endearments in there as well, that is the sweetheart or the darling and then often we need to, as you said, we need to repeat that often many times because I like to see it a little bit like um, volcanic energy. This is beautiful life energy that they haven't expressed through in healthy ways, through crying and raging that's come out into the more aggression hyperarousal. So I see it as a little bit like we're blocking up that that energy where the volcano wants to come out, we're saying no to that aggression, but we're we're really wanting to, to support it to come out through another piece of the land where it's going to come out in a beautiful volcano that isn't hurt hurting anybody. So that's where we might need to repeat the same thing over and over again. I'm really not willing for you to hit, and I'm right here and I'm listening. And we may adjust the words a little bit, but we may repeat that many times as we're really, you know, they might try and hit more or they might pick up something else and we're, we're really staying. So basically that's what we were saying earlier. That's why it's so important that we're really willing to listen to the feelings because a loving them isn't just like a no, a no once. It is the often we need to say it repeatedly, particularly if it is more the aggression because it is, as Aletha described so beautifully, there is that and the remains of that fight or flight, that, that hyperarousal, those hormones, that tension, that stress in their bodies that they are trying to release in healthy ways. So it really requires something quite a lot from us to keep on saying, you know, basically, no, yes, no, <laughs> yes, no, yes, and, and remain loving through it, which is it's a lot. It's a huge lot for most of us who never receive this. 
And we don't live in a culture that really understands this beautiful idea of a no and a yes at the same time. So, yeah. Is that, yeah. is that clear? I don't think I'm Yes. No, it's amazing. I think, no, I think it's really, really clear. And I loved how you were saying how when it's a response to hyperarousal, you go in with the limit first and then the, the lovingness. And when it's the dissociation, you go in with the lovingness first and then the limit. What might that look like, the second one, when you're going in with the love first? What sort of words might you be using first before that I'm not willing? Well, it's kind of the opposite way around. But often even with the with the dissociation, I often find even before that, we might actually go in with quite a bit of attachment play first as part of the love. So we might move in and connect. We might do some attachment play and then we might move in with a loving limit, which might be more. We're reading the books at night and we've already read 10 and we can clearly see they're tired and they've got feelings bubbling. So they might be asking for another one or another one, or they might be asking for you know, one more snack or one more this and that at bedtime when they're actually got feelings bubbling. So we might give them a bit of notice. We might say before the limit, we might say the loving limit, we might say, you know, I'm willing to read you this one more book and then I'm not willing to read anymore. And then at the end of the book, they might say, I want another one. And then we can offer them empathy first. I really hear that you want me to read you another book, sweetheart. I really understand you love books, don't you? And I'm not willing to read anymore now. And again, they might they might say, no, but I really want you to, I really want you to read another book. And we might just keep offering empathy, which is what I love about loving limits. They're so empathic. We can keep saying, I really hear you, sweetheart. You really want me to read you another book. And I'm not willing to read anymore now. So I think that often can be really reassuring for parents as well, because for most of us, a no has been harsh and we might be concerned, oh my gosh, is this damaging or, or painful for my child? To actually really know that there's something so beautiful, isn't there, in that just that empathy? Like we're basically saying, I really hear that you you what you want. I really hear how much you love it. And I'm not willing for that. And I just imagine if all of us had experienced this as children and had grown up with this, and we were all able to actually support other adults. And of course, loving them it's a bit different with another adult, unless we've made some agreement uh, with them. But if we all understood this, gosh, what a different world we would live in. Oh my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, just imagining what it, it would be like as a child who's got big feelings to hear that. I really hear that you want that. And I'm not willing. And I'm here and listening. And I love you. You know, it's just so, it feels so amazing. You know, all the other things that you're saying in those words as well, which is I see that you're in pain and I, I'm here for you and I want to help you and I I'm going to be your rock and all those other things that aren't actually being said, but are being demonstrated through those words and through the loving attention. It's just amazing. Wow. It's so amazing. And I love how you describe that. And in some of the posts I was writing recently, I was saying, you know, you might, you might make an agreement with, if you have a partner or a friend, I do, I ask my mum sometimes to offer me loving limits with food and things. And she does, which I've taught her, which I really enjoy. But yeah, you can make an agreement and, and you can might even want to imagine right now, like if you're about to either say something harsh to a, a, your child because you've got really big feelings, because we've all got really big feelings accumulated because we didn't get our feelings heard. And actually someone came in right that moment and put their hand gently on your shoulder and said, I'm not willing for you to say that, sweetheart. And I'm right here and I'm listening. And I'm here with you and I love you, you know, with absolute no judgment. And I'm not willing for you to do this. Or if we are about to reach 
into the fridge for the third time that evening for yet another bit of chocolate or wine or whatever it is. And again, some that loving person who we felt really safe with, who we knew wasn't judging us, who we knew was able to listen to our feelings, came in and said the same. I really hear that you love you love that chocolate, don't you, sweetheart? And and I'm not willing for you to have any right now. And I'm here with you. I'm listening. I see you've had a really big day. And I'm here to listen to all of your feelings. I mean, often we might feel I imagine each person would feel different things. Sometimes you might feel rage. You might be, no, I want more chocolate. How dare you know that? And that might be exactly what we need to hear, need to express. Or we might start crying. Or we might, you know, it's very powerful to to imagine actually experiencing these things. Yes, God, that sounds so nice. <laughs> I want my love. Yeah, I was going to say, could you come over to my house, Justin, to do that for me, and I'll come to your house anytime you want. <laughs> oh God, that would be heaven, wouldn't it? That would be so heavenly. Can you imagine the, the fast track of our healing process we do if we if we lived with someone who was able to do that, and we were able to do that for them? It would be incredibly profound. I mean, there would be a lot of crying and raging going on. And maybe not so easy if we've got you know several young children to two or one to be looking after at the same time, but but powerful, mm, so powerful. So at the same time, then as all these beautiful words that you you recommend people using through this, what about some of the things that you describe as being like less helpful to say or unhelpful? And I'm thinking particularly of words that might be adding unintentionally but adding to the feelings of the child. So things like often people say, oh, it's not okay, or we don't do this in our family or those sorts of things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Again, I find it helpful to think about what can we say that will help not only us feel deeply loving, but will also help our child experience that deep love and that no. So I find it really helpful to make I statements, which is why I like the, you know, I'm not willing or I really see how much you love that. So one of the things which you said is a, is more of a we statement or an it. So if we, if we say we don't hit in our house, that's another one, or we don't hit in our family. And again, I invite anyone to listen into how they, how you feel in your body. If I'm set to say to you, I'm not willing for you to hit, sweetheart. And I'm right here and I'm listening. And I you know, see you've got some big feelings. I'm right here with you. I'm not willing for you to hit. Or if we said, if I said to you, we don't hit in our family. A we statement, it doesn't really often support that deep connection that we're really wanting our child to experience. We're really wanting them to feel this that we love them, basically, that we love them and that we're here and we're here to support them with this big, hard situation. And actually, it's our responsibility as their parent to, to do that. And the same with it, you know, it's it's not okay. Again, to me, if I hear that, it's I don't feel any sense of connection. And and it's not okay. It's actually a judgment. I mean, it's probably preferable to many other things, but it's still a judgment. It's not okay. And so often children will experience actually shame when they're hearing that. So again, it's not going to be the most helpful thing for them. It's it's likely to lead to more feelings being added onto the top. And I want to say I'm sending love to anyone who has said that or does say that. And again, I invite you to connect in. You might completely disagree with me. You might find something else entirely, but I find it really helpful for each of us to connect in to being at the receiving end of these words and phrases and see what would help me be more likely to experience that I'm here being loved in this situation that's really, you know, I've clearly got big feelings 
and what phrases would help. And and the other one I find is similarly, be gentle. That's another common one, isn't it? Be gentle. Again, it's doesn't really help because they can't think their way out of these feelings. Mm. Giving them it's we're giving them information. And yes, they might be able to kind of squash the feelings down. It doesn't really address when it doesn't at all address the root cause of why they're hitting or pushing at that moment. Mm. And the other thing as well about yeah, we don't hit in this house or we don't hit in this family is often a bit confusing for children. Like if they have hit and they're like, well, I've hit, does that mean I'm not a part of this family? Like, so it can be really helpful to think about what we're communicating in, in our language and to be deeply compassionate with ourselves, because of course we've all said different things at different times and you know, I really, uh, in my evolution of language as well, I, I even found a difference between I won't let you do that or I'm not. What did I used to say? Yeah, I won't let you do that. And even that I found a little quite different to I'm not willing for you to. So, and uh, I know some people say I can't, I can't let you do that. But again, I invite you to be on the listening end of that. And to me, often if we say I can't, sometimes it's a little bit, to me, a way that we're not really claiming our power that we're kind of giving it away over there. You know, I can't, I can't let you do that. Again, if you love saying I can't let you do that, I so support you in that. But I think for each of us to find language that really is a fit for us, that we feel comfortable speaking and that we really notice it supports our child to uh, to move into the feelings. Some people might even just say no and they might have such an embodied loving limit that, that a no does it all. So, And you might not even need to think about language. <laughs> Mm, yeah and sometimes we can get really caught up in what am I supposed to be saying here and and it gets in the way yeah (laughs) and really it's that it's the sense isn't it that we're trying to give that sense of deep love the sense that first of all we can see from their behavior that they've got feelings that we care very deeply about that that it's our job to come in and, and and support them with that and we're right there ready to listen and that we love them unconditionally regardless of how they're behaving so it's like any words really that capture that are going to be okay but I do love this I'm not willing and I think you know this is so this has come from you completely and I know that there's like all around the world now that there's all these kids who are like willing why do you keep using the willing word <laughs> it's like that's Marion Rose <laughs> So oh, nice. and I'd like to thank so Marshall Rosenberg and NBC from really where, where I learned so much about willing and not willing as well. And it's a very powerful word. Yeah. And I love what you said to me the, the the whole reason for the words is not about the words actually is exactly as you said, it's what it helps us embody and what it communicates to them. So yes, it is about the words, but it's also so much more than that. And I think the words that you offer really help people to connect with that, actually to connect with that sense and then be able to offer it to their children. So I think it is really helpful. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, I'm aware of the time, so um, just quickly, is about offering loving limits to ourselves. Like, So that was a bit of a game changer when I discovered that that was an option. Because <laughs> you talked a bit about us uh, asking other adults in our life to to offer us limits in a way that's really helpful for us. But this idea that it's something that we can actually offer ourselves so that when we can see ourselves behaving in ways that are clear that we've got feelings. So perhaps we're going into hyper arousal, perhaps we're getting angry and shouty or, you know, wanting to hit and and we've got that kind of energy, or maybe we're going into that dissociation and wanting to have, I mean, in my case, the 500th cup of tea of the day or or spend the next another three hours on Facebook or whatever it is. Again, we can bring our awareness to the fact that we've got big feelings here and our behavior is showing us that we've got feelings. 
And then we can support ourselves to access those feelings using using loving limits too. Can you talk about that and how we do yeah, that? No, it's so lovely that, isn't it? I remember that my had a pivotal moment of that as well. Isn't it funny those pivotal moments? It's like they stand in my mind. And actually, I'm sitting right next to my kitchen sink where the event happened, and I, something was happening with my children. I don't remember what they were doing, but I remember that one of the ways I used to go into hyperarousal was I would, and I wasn't expressing. My feelings in healthy ways is I'd th- I'd either slam doors or I'd throw cutlery in the sink because there's something about the throwing cutlery in the sink. Was like, <laughs> it was, you know, trying to express the energy, but clearly not very helpful. And they weren't really young by this this time. So I really want to say that, you know, it's these things are much harder when we have young children who are going to get scared. But actually it was much less scary what I did go on to do. And I actually realized I'd done this several times now. So I really, I just don't want to do this anymore. I just, uh, it's not enjoyable for them in any way to have this mum who's yet again, throwing some cutlery in the sink. So the way I do it, and this is, you know, to me, it's all internalized aware parenting, but it's through my own, the you know, the Marian method work and my inner loving mother and inner loving father. And I just basically heard this this inner voice, which is, I, you know, we're just not willing for you to do that anymore, which is basically me also saying that to myself. I'm not willing to do this anymore. And we're here and we're listening. And so basically I stopped, I put the cutlery down and I quickly said to both of them, I'm going to have a cry now. And I just cried and let it all out through a really big noisy cry when those ones where you have the snot dripping on the floor. And it was really that pivotal moment of like, oh, wow, this is really possible to do. And the same with dissociation, where I find I don't really like hearing. And again, this is why it's so personal with language. I don't like hearing I'm not willing for you to with control patterns or dissociation because I really still do like to have that sense of choice. So what I like to hear more is, sweetheart, we really hear that you want, you know, we see you, we see you want to have another bit of chocolate and and you don't need to do that now because we're here and we're listening. We would love to hear how you're really feeling. So, so beautiful to have that, just that beautiful aware parenting, but on an internal level, I found that to be one of the biggest game changers ever to really, to practice loving limits internally. I remember another really initial time I first did that too was I'd had a slightly unenjoyable interaction with somebody and I kept looping. So I I got some empathy, but I kept looping the conversation over and over again, what they'd said and almost like re-traumatizing myself by doing that. And I just went, no, I'm just not willing to keep doing that again. And I think it was actually my inner loving father came into and said, sweetheart, I'm not willing for you to keep repeating that conversation. And I'm here and I'm listening. And I literally just went, wow, I can actually stop. I don't need to have these repetitive thoughts. I have actually the power to to stop that. It was it was really profound. So it's and of course I want to remind you it's not it's not spiritual bypassing. We're not saying, you know, I'm just going to stop those thoughts. I listened also to what else needed to be heard. But very, very yummy what we can do. Yeah. Yeah, because the it's always a yes to the feelings as well. It's not just the no. It's not just the no, is it? And I loved that. And I loved what you uh, have taught me as well around that, around loving limits on um, like guilt, shame, judgments that I'm giving myself and changing the internal, my internal dialogue a bit (laughs) slowly by slowly and surely. Yeah. With this loving limit idea too. And again, it's about bringing my awareness to the fact that I'm doing something, putting a limit about 
not doing that anymore and then listening to the feelings that are that are underneath it and uh, bringing my awareness to that process and I loved how you were talking about when you were talking about the language around saying we don't hit and so on in our family and that's that's now become a bit of a joke in our family so whenever anyone's doing anything that's annoying somebody else in my family will go oh you know we don't do that in our family (laughs) it's like in this really nice jokey way that keeps me on track with it too but Yes, it's so profound to to be able to listen to our own feelings and to do that in a way that brings our awareness to what we're doing in the moment and and stops us doing that and then allows us to access the feelings underneath. That's just profound, so profound. So wonderful, isn't it? I do want to say also, I mean, sometimes with those harsh sticks, sometimes it is a loving them. And again, just to open this out even more, sometimes you do have feelings underneath that, but sometimes actually we don't have feelings. Sometimes it's just a limit because actually we don't have feelings it's the sticks that we pick up. It's those conditioned judgments that we've internalized that create the pain. So sometimes, and that was my journey through it, is just to say, yeah, I'm not willing. I am not willing to hit myself with that stick anymore. I'm not willing to shame myself. I'm not willing to guilt myself. And it was more of a limit rather than a loving limit because it was just a, no, I am not willing for this cultural conditioning. But sometimes it is because sometimes we already have feelings and then we're picking up the stick. And then when we say no to the stick, there is there are the original feelings there as well. And I know that sounds a little bit, I was going to hit myself with the stick then. I was going to say, that sounds a little bit like nitpicking, doesn't it? And I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say, this is not necessary to go into this in fine detail. And I like understanding it so that I know what, what's happening in, in the moment. I might not be going, oh, am I offering myself a loving limit or a limit right in this moment? I'm just saying, no, no to the stick. And yeah, what else? What, else, what do I feel now? Well, I think that's really helpful because sometimes by offering ourselves that limit, we then have the opportunity to look underneath that and to say, oh, is this just, is this just a core belief coming up? In which case, that's great because I don't I don't actually need the, the listening there is to feelings, but it's really nice to go in and, and explore that some more. And where's that come from? And is that serving me now? And what might I replace it with now? Or if there are feelings there, then we go in and listen to feelings. So it is really helpful to distinguish that because you know, either way we're stopping ourselves from doing it and then we're we're allowing some healing around it. So it's really, really helpful. Love that distinction. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I only thought of it as you were speaking. So yeah, it's so fun, isn't it? I love our conversation, Joss. I get more, I've got more clarity through our speaking. It's so wonderful, mm. isn't it? Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm so grateful to you, Mary. And, and mm. uh, thank you so much for coming on and, and for giving us so much time and so much clarity about this. I know you have an amazing offering on Loving Limits. Mm. How can people <laughs> learn more about this and dive more into it and practice it with your with your guidance? Oh, thank you. Lovely. I'm just so grateful to you because I love sharing about this and I love talking to you. So thank you. And yes, I, so I created this uh, offering fairly recently called the Loving Limits Deep Dive. And it's uh, it really goes into all the things we talked about with a little bit more depth and with some invitations for exploration. And you can find it on my website, marionrose.net. And if you're listening to this live when Joss publishes, what's the word? Is that the word? Release. Oh, release, whatever that word is. I'm going to be doing this. I've got a sale on at the moment and that will be on sale at some point. So, yeah. Thank you. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I really recommend everybody doing that. I just think uh, just to the more deeply we understand these things and the more we reflect on what comes up for us in all of these processes, the easier it is. And this is just such a crucial one for aware parenting because it's it's so helpful, so, so helpful for our children and for ourselves too. 
And I just really want to acknowledge you, Marion, and your amazing understanding and the way that you take these concepts from so many parts of aware parenting and unpack them into these real, this real depth and with such compassion and such beauty and such clarity. And then you share this with people so that we don't have to go through you know, 20 years of playing with with loving limits, we we can get straight there. So I'm so, so grateful for everything that I've learned from you about everything in a work engine, but in relation to this too. So I really want to acknowledge the amazing role that you've played in my life and in so many people's lives too. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. I so love your appreciation. And again, all the little parts of me like, oh, yay, I'm just doing this thing that I love. And look, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, thank you so much. I did also want to add anyone who wants to explore more in terms of those posts that you were talking about at the beginning. If you look on my social media as well, I spent about two weeks writing about loving limits every day. So there'll be other info in there as well that I didn't mention today. Yeah. Yes. And do you have any other offerings at the moment? You said you're doing sales. What 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 I else have you got sale. on sale? All that well, every yeah, so every day I'm putting a different course on sale and that lasts 48 hours. So I have a little competition as well. If you want to come onto my Instagram, the person if if you guess the next day's course, you get it for free. So that's fun as well. Wow. <laughs> that's amazing. What an amazing opportunity. Thank you. Oh, thank you, lovely. Thank you. I love talking to you. So appreciate you. Uh, our conversations in all the places so thank you so much for for having me on i've really enjoyed it no thank you so much marion lots of love to you thank you for joining me on aware parenting stories i hope you enjoyed this episode to find out more please visit my website www.awareparenting.com.au and follow me on social media at aware parenting with joss I wish you much connection and love on your parenting adventures. Mm-hmm.